Good morning. It's great to be here with you. My name's Scott Weaver. I got to warn you, I'm used to preaching overseas where I have a translator and I can think in between. <laughs> so if I get lost, bear with me. But I'm excited to remind all of us of God's love for all people all over the world. This is our short tr trip Sunday, and so um, that's my passion. My passion is to take people overseas and see what God does in them and through them. It's just a blessing to me to be able to do that. So let me pray for us as we start. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you call us to partner with what you are doing all around the world. Father, this morning I pray that you would speak through me, that you would speak, that you would clarify the next steps that you have for each one here. Thank you. Amen. So God has called Daybreak to help people discover, people discover a life-changing journey with Jesus. We do that three ways. Contribute, uh, change, celebrating God's grace, connecting to God's family, and contributing to God's work. And today we're going to focus on the contributing to God's work part. Let me stress that it is God's work. We're partnering with him. It's not something that we have to manufacture. Anything that we do for God that he's called us to do, he will empower us. He will provide for us. And I'm excited to, to um, share that with you. Now, at Daybreak, there are four ways that we can contribute to God's work. The first is to contribute financially. And everything that Daybreak does, we do because of the generosity of people like you. Secondly, we can contribute to God's work here on a Sunday morning throughout the week. And it's because of the work that you do that our children, our youth, us are able to sit here in an environment where we can listen and hear from God. We have absolutely wonderful worship. It's a wonderful time because of people serving. Third, we can contribute to God's work locally. We have ministries that partner with local ministries, and we see God changing our community when we do that. And then finally, we can contribute to God's work globally. Now, growing up as a son of missionaries in the Philippines, I believe it's everybody should go on mission overseas. That's just the way I'm wired. I love going overseas, and I love to see people go to a different culture and see what God is doing already in a people group that you've never met before. It's phenomenal. My daughters I've taken to Cambodia instead of Disney World. <laughs> It was their choice, um, and I've seen them blossom and grow and, and seen the, their vision of what God is doing expand. In turn, my daughters have gone to Algeria, Colombia. My youngest daughter is going to go to Ethiopia this summer, skipping our, our beach vacation. You get that? That's kind of rude, but anyway. But each of us has a part to play in God's global 
uh, work. So I hope today that, that you're open to hearing what God can do through you. What's that next step? What is that thing that God's calling you to do that will take you on another level in your relationship with him? So let's celebrate what God's done this past year on our short-term trip. So let's watch together. Standing near the place without doubt and faith collide Staring in the face of fear that has to die When you call my name, there's only one reply No, I won't wait, I'll give you
awesome. Those were all Facebook moments. <laughs> Last year at this time, every single one of those people heard God's voice, and they had to make a decision. They had to choose. But I, I bet if you asked every single one of them, they would do it all over again because God did something in them. And then they saw him do something through them. So there are a lot of stories in the Bible where God calls men and women to join him in what he is doing. Today we're going to look at Jonah, unlikely character. Uh, but, you know, I think we can relate to Jonah. After all, he was scared, ran away, disobeyed. You know, I think for most of us, you know, prophets that stand on Mount Carmel and ask God to call down fire, that we can't relate to that. But Jonah, yeah, sure. Now, the belly of a fish, maybe not. But, but one thing that, that really intrigues me about Jonah, we always um, bust on him for disobeying and running the opposite way. But did you get Jonah never discounted God's voice? He never said, that must have been the pepperoni pizza I had last night. That wasn't God. I was just thinking it up. He heard God's voice. Now, he completely disobeyed, but that's beside the point. Let's dig into Jonah's story. In Jonah chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God called Jonah to go and preach, and he heard it. It was clear. And he got scared, and he ran the other direction. It's, there's other people that I relate to, like Moses. He had the same problem envisioning him obeying God. What? Who, me? I can't speak. Send somebody else. I don't have that talent. I'm insignificant. I'm a shepherd for crying out loud. A lot of excuses. But when God calls us, he doesn't give us all the details. That's why it's called walking in faith. All of us point at, at some point struggle with joining God in what he is doing whether it's here, to that coworker, to that fellow student, to the person at the grocery store. We struggle sometimes. I pushed back when God called me to preach overseas. In fact, those that have gone, I still don't call it preaching. <laughs> it's just sharing, whatever. Um, but my, my running away was trying to find somebody else to do it instead of me. That was my running away. What do you find as a rationalization for not listening to God? When God tells you something, he calls you on purpose. He calls you on purpose. It's not like he's saying, I, I need somebody. Why don't, why don't you go? And why don't, no, he's calling you on purpose. In Ephesians 8, 10, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now get this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
He created you special. And when he calls you, he's not calling you because he needs to fill a slot. He's calling you because he wants you. He created you for a specific purpose. We know Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. When God calls you, he has a hope for you. He wants to do amazing things in you. <clears throat> Let's take a closer look at Jonah's story. Jonah disobeyed, but even in his disobedience, God used him. God did a work in him. It was pretty amazing. So God told Jonah to go and preach because he said, their wickedness has come up before me. But what was God's heart for Nineveh? So he called Jonah to preach against Nineveh, but what was his heart for? Did he want to just destroy wickedness? Did he want to just expunge a, a people group? If you read the rest of the book, you'll notice that Jonah, that God, cares about the bondage that the Ninevites were in. They were bound to sin, almost like they couldn't help it because of their bondage to sin. And God wanted to free them, and he called Jonah on purpose to do that. Now, Nineveh at that time was a serious capital, roughly 120,000 people, which is pretty big at that for that time of year for that time. Um, but they were guilty of plotting against God. They were overly cruel in war. They exploited the helpless. Their cities were full, their city was full of idolatry, prostitution, witchcraft. There was wickedness going on. And God noticed it and wanted to do something. And so he called Jonah. So God found the right time to call Jonah, to do a work in Jonah, and then to do an amazing thing through him. So Jonah's response was to literally run away. So if, if Jonah lived here, and God called him to say, don't get offended, to preach against Atlantic City, he would have run to Pittsburgh. Now, Jason Fickus, who's preaching at South Campus, um, Said it the other way around, but I think some Steeler fans would get upset. So. <laughs> so what in the world got into Jonah? Well, Jonah grew up probably fearing and hating the Assyrians. You see, the Israelites, they, they had this prejudice against the Assyrians because of their wickedness, their cruelty and war and whatnot. So Jonah knows God's heart at least a little bit because of what he says later. So he's, he's afraid of the Assyrians. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh, so he runs away. He ignores God's call and runs. Now, he goes down to port, finds a ticket, buys a ticket for Tarshish, gets on the boat, goes down someplace, cabin, and falls asleep. So now the ship sails out, and the Lord raises up a powerful storm. Gale force winds, torrential downpours. It was really, these seasoned sailors were afraid. They were throwing things overboard, trying to make sure that the ship would stay upright. 
And they were scared. The captain was so scared that he started talking to people and saying, start praying to your God. Start praying to your God. Start praying to your God. Hopefully one of them will listen. And then he's walking around. He finds Jonah sleeping. So he wakes Jonah up. Pray to your God. We're going to die. They're afraid. But nothing's working. And for some reason, Jonah doesn't speak up yet. But these seasoned sailors kind of think, okay, it must be somebody's fault here. So they draw, they cast lots. Now, what's really interesting is God actually uses the casting of lots because Jonah gets the lot, whatever that looks like. It's Jonah. So they start grilling Jonah. Who are you? What people group are you from? What's going on? Whose fault is this? And here's what Jonah says. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Can you imagine what those sailors were thinking? You, you, what? You serve the God that caused this storm? Are you kidding me? Now, Jonah had told them that he was running from the Lord. They probably kind of, yeah, whatever, buddy. At this point, they're pretty concerned. So they ask him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Finally, Jonah steps up to the plate. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he owns it. He takes responsibility for his mistake. And he calls sin, sin. So they throw him overboard. It's amazing to me that Jonah was more concerned, um, not, he was willing to die there than go to Nineveh, where he may have been ridiculed or, I don't know, maybe he was scared, that scared of Nineveh. But it was like he was telling God, you're crazy. I'm not going to go there. And knowing your heart, if they repent, you'll probably forgive them. And they don't deserve it. Believe me, they don't deserve it. I don't want to do that. So we've seen Jonah, a lot of Jonah's junk. A lot of his judgments, assumptions, criticizing people, lack of compassion, blatant disobedience. When I tell you that God wants to use you, When I ask you and to step to, up to the plate and tell you that God wants you to go, what excuses come to your mind? Is it possible that these excuses that come to mind are the very things God wants to work in you? Maybe these are the things that God wants to work out. Maybe he wants you to learn surrender, letting go of control. After all, going, you have to let go of control. Or maybe flexibility. Maybe you're a rigid person and God wants you to learn to let go, be more flexible. Trust him that he will equip you. Trust him that he will provide for you. These are tangible things that are a little bit scary. The people that I have the privilege of leading over the years, every one of them struggled. 
for the unknown, not knowing what they were getting into, but they were willing to allow God to work in them. They were willing to surrender and say, I want a new thing in me. I want to see you do amazing things. And God did. I'm so thankful to be able to have the front row seat to see life change in people. It's phenomenal. You should try it sometime. When we go on mission with God, he works in us. Sometimes even the journey to prepare to go, he works in us. Getting to know people that you don't know, that then become family. Trying to raise support. Will God provide? So how did God work in Jonah? Well, contrary to what Jonah thought, God actually wanted to continue work in him even though he was disobedient. I don't think God was surprised that Jonah ran the other way. But it was the perfect time for him to call Jonah. He had a plan. So we know the story. Jonah got thrown over, swallowed by a huge fish. We can debate whether it was a fish or a whale, but we won't go there. But that fish actually saved Jonah's life. So he gets swallowed. I I wonder if fish aren't really cold-blooded, but I wonder if it was warm in there. Don't know. So in chapter 2 of Jonah, I'm not going to read it, but it is a, a... a prayer. It's like a psalm. And as you read it, you, you kind of get a, a, a glimpse into how God was working in Jonah, the things that he was struggling with and working through. We don't know how long it took Jonah to actually get to the point where he surrendered, but chapter 2 really works through that. And he was there three days. Can you imagine? What a wonderful worship service that would have all by yourself, dark, gross, stomach acid. Okay, we want, <laughs> let's move on. So after, three, after this three-day worship service, God commands the fish to throw up and spits Jonah up on dry land. Now, can you imagine this? The, the, Jonah gets out of this fish. He's seaweed. Don't know if he's like stomach acid-worn you know, maybe whatever his hair looked like, you know, those of you who wake up in the morning go, ooh, bad hair day. That would really have been a bad hair day. Of course, for some people, Bob, it's no. Anyway, moving on. But you know what's interesting to me? Because of Jonah's disobedience, he had a harder time. He had a lot more pain to do what God called him to do. After all, he, he wouldn't have been in a, in a fish if he had obeyed to begin with. So I wonder what would have happened if he said yes right away. So God did a work in Jonah, and he finally came to the point where he was obedient, and then God did an amazing work through Jonah. God started working through Jonah even before he was thrown after he was thrown over the boat, thrown into the sea, swallowed by the fish, because it says that the sailors took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the sea became calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah never saw that. 
It's amazing to me that God can work through you and me, even in our disobedience, but how much more easy it is when we do obey. I think Jonah found that out. God is work all around us. He wants to change lives. His grace and mercy is evident to anybody that calls out to him. The question is, will you join God in what he is already doing? Will you cooperate when he wants to do work in you? Will you let him? Will you listen and obey? After Jonah gets thrown up, vomited onto the the dry land, God gives him another chance. Go, preach to Nineveh. So finally, Jonah obeys. Now, it's a really long trek from where he was, 500 miles to Nineveh. I think he had a lot more time to think about his predicament. When he gets there, he proclaims God's message to Nineveh. It's a big city. It took him three days to walk through the city proclaiming God's message. Now, this is really interesting, but first let's recap. So God says, go preach. Jonah turns and runs the other direction. God causes a storm. He gets thrown over, swallowed by a fish. Three-day worship service. He gets thrown up. Now he has this wickedly wrong, long trek to Nineveh. And then God gives him the message. It's one sentence. <laughs> All of you are thinking, yeah, Scott, why didn't you have just one sentence? The message is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. How exciting. Can you imagine what this looked like? Jonah, kind of worn, stomach acid. Well, whatever sunburnt stomach acid worn looks like, I don't know. He got there, wicked hair, he didn't have a mirror, probably didn't have a comb, unless there was a fish inside the, never mind. One, met, one, one sentence, for 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40, can you imagine how boring that is? 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. After a while, Jonah's probably, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Nothing eloquent about the message at all. But God does an amazing thing through Jonah. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, this is, Amazing to me. All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And it goes on to say the king uh, proclaimed a fast. We got to do this. Hopefully God will relent. And scripture says when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. How amazing is that? These people were set free. They heard that one sentence, but they believed God, and they repented. 
In the book of Jeremiah, God promises that any nation on which he pronounces judgment will be saved if they repent. And he was good to his word with Nineveh. You see, God's not in the business of destroying wicked people. God's in the business of setting them free. Life change. He wants freedom for people. He wants a relationship with everyone. A whole city repented. A whole 120,000 people repented. Now, did they do so because of who Jonah was? Did they do so because Jonah was this great orator? Because he was special? Because he had gifts? I don't think so. God used Jonah and did an amazing thing through Jonah. Not because of who he was. But the exciting thing is God wanted to do this work with Jonah. I want to do an amazing thing in you. And then watch what I can do through you. That's exciting. But we have to cooperate with him. You see, God wants everyone everywhere to experience that life change, to be free of their bondage, to have a relationship with him, even people halfway around the world. Could this year be your year to go on mission with God? When we obey God's call and cooperate with his work in us, he does amazing things. Our eyes are open to see what he is doing. It's, it's exciting. It's life-changing. Now, you may feel, well, I don't have anything to offer. I strongly disagree. Look at Jonah. Did, do you think he had, I mean, just look at how God used him. Was it who he was? But God prepared him. See, I think God really knew that Jonah was going to run away, but that he had this plan, I'm going to have a worship service with Jonah. And I'm going to do an amazing work in him. And then he will see the amazing work that I can do through him. Now, Jonah still struggled. You read the rest of the book. He still has these deep-seated issues with the Assyrians and with God. He was still a little frustrated that God actually forgave them, had mercy on them. And that's what God's still working on him. If you've come back on a mission trip and you feel like that was a great spiritual high and now I'm still struggling, you're not alone. Read the book of Jonah. Until we see Jesus again, we, God has work to do in us. Are you going to cooperate with him? This past year, I got to know individuals who thought they had nothing to offer, but obeyed God's call and saw him do amazing things in and through him. Let's listen to their stories on this video. I kept asking God why he pushed me to go on this trip. When I was in high school, um, the the time I felt the closest to God was when we went on retreats and when we went on missions trips. I always wanted to go on a missions trip for as long as I could remember. I remember um, in years past when Daybreak would do um, a 
global ministry um, Sunday, I would sit back in my seat and just pray, God, please, please do not call me. When the information meeting came up, I decided to attend and I heard that they're going to Harrisburg. It was only to Harrisburg, five miles from my house. I got really excited because my heart has always been to work in inner city. They told us that we would be doing some cleaning of the church, gardening, and cooking. And I said, why would you want an old lady like me who has knee problems, back problems, and I hate to cook. The weekend that the trip was advertised, I was at church and I saw it and I thought it would be something that I'd really enjoy doing. I remember sitting there smiling at the testimony videos and just marveling to myself about the change that I had seen in people since they had come back from those trips. After seeing what God did through my three best friends um, from a year before, seeing what like changed in them and how much more connected they were with God just really like kindled the flame for me wanting to go as well. I'll never forget just sitting there watching the video um, and just felt this tug on my heart that God was saying, do you trust me? When it came down to it, it was more of a why not. Um, I, when I went to the meeting last year, the initial meeting after church, uh, I watched the presentation. I met some of the people that had gone before. Um, I, I left there thinking to myself, you know, I, I kind of think some of these people don't think that I'm actually going to go on this trip. I had never been on a missions trip myself before and I thought, I wonder if my life could bring God the kind of glory that I'm seeing in these stories. I decided to say yes to Ecuador after my husband went last year. Before I knew it, I was uh, going to the meetings every Sunday afternoon and um, next thing I knew I was, you know, in Ecuador. I got to watch him come home from Ecuador and um, just see an incredible change in him. There was um, excitement and fear, um, more fear. Then very clearly, he whispered my name and he told me to go. And so that just started to make me think, I, you know, I need to do this for myself. There was no question, there was no doubt, I was going. At the community dinner for Allison Hill, I shared my story. When we were on our way to Ecuador, Scott Weaver approached me and he had just said that Mark had asked if I could share my testimony the first night that we were there. And I looked over and there's this young man and he's motioning like this for me to come over to him. Kelly asked Grace and I to lead worship at church on Sunday um, and I said yes before I even knew what was happening. So I went, we talked, we shared, and we prayed together. It felt great and afterwards I had people come up and tell me that they, um, that I helped them worship that Sunday and that I helped them connect to God. I actually asked them could I pray for you, which was totally out of my comfort zone. It was um, not necessarily easy, um, but God definitely provided the strength and the peace and comfort in sharing it. God really just showed me the compassion and the work he put into his creations. Yeah, I think that he just allowed me to discover that I have a passion to serve people and to help people. 
uh, whether it's in another country like Ecuador or back here in the United States. I feel a lot more connected with God after doing this. I feel like um, everything he's done is for a purpose. While I was down there, what God did in me and through me is he taught me patience. God showed me how to pray through hardship instead of praying it away. To know that what his plan is for me is will come with due time. One of the girls that was at the mission school approached me um, and said, I just wanted to let you know that your testimony really encouraged me as my sister is struggling um, with depression. It's um, allowed me to get more involved here at the church actually through people helping people. When I came home from Ecuador, um, Joe and I were able to kind of like reminisce and, and go over his trip and my trip and share all the wonderful things that we did together. How to open myself up to conversations that he wanted to have through me with other people, using me as his mouthpiece to accomplish that. To go to the Amazon jungle and to experience God in ways that you've never seen, it, it's changed our marriage. It's brought us closer. It's made us accountable. We look at things differently. We have like a shared perspective that we really didn't have before. He taught me that my my brothers and sisters in Christ really could have my back and want to help me pray through my struggles. And it gave me hope that God is working and that God can heal her and He can make it new and He can make what is broken beautiful. So much of my life story has to do with struggling to really trust God. But now He's writing this beautiful story within my heart just about how important and how safe it is to trust him with everything in my life. Seeds for that were planted on this trip. Before all of this, I feel like I didn't really have a, a true church family, um, but since my trip and through meeting all these people and through people helping people, I feel like I finally have a family to, that has taken me in here at daybreak. It's really hard to put it into words, but the line that keeps running through my head is, it was worth it. I have such a great privilege of being with people and seeing God do amazing things in them. I really do. It's really an honor. All of us have stuff that we have to work through. And it's, it's the family that goes together that God works through, and God works in you. We don't serve a mute God. He's calling each, each one of us to take the next step, whatever that may look like. In your program guide, you'll see information about the, daybreak, the trips that Daybreak's going to be taking this year. We're excited to go back to Ecuador, and uh, Jason Fickus and Cheryl Fell are going to be leading that trip. I wish I was going again. I will be leading with Kelly Argot the trip to Cambodia, which I'm excited to do. Um, it's been a couple years since I've been back in Cambodia. Um, and I would love all of you to go. I think going overseas opens your eyes to things that you don't get here, things that you can't see here. But there are other ways that you can contribute to God's work is global work. God may want you to give. Maybe step up your giving and help support somebody. Maybe even sponsor somebody that's going to go on a trip. 
Maybe God's calling you to step up your prayer life and partner with somebody who's going and praying for them, praying through the preparation that God would work in them, finding out from them the struggles that they're having and praying with them. Maybe God uh, is encouraging you to encourage somebody who's thinking of going. Or maybe this year, God's calling you to go on mission with him. You got to go. I'd like to read a story from a, a missionary that I admire. Growing up in the Philippines, she was known to me as Aunt Joanne. Joanne Shetler, is a, she saw God do amazing things. A lot of times she was scared spitless. But this is a, a story she's telling about two gentlemen, Masa'a and Elat. On one trip in, late, in the late 1980s, Masa'a went with Elat an Ifugao evangelist, to teach the word of God in Malongo. The two men were worried because they had to pass through an area notorious for civil unrest. A few years earlier, one village had taken revenge on the Madakoyan people by kidnapping one of their children and chopping him to pieces. As Ilat and Masa'au got into the public transportation jeep, they realized Everyone else was from the village of the killers. These traveling companions looked grim-faced and wore machetes ready for action. Ilat and Masa'au got off the jeep to talk quietly together. Is it safe to go with them? Maybe we should go to Tokokan instead and teach there. After all, they've been asking us to come. If they went to Tokokan, they would take a different jeep and travel through safer territory, like a ship going to Tarshish. Then Masa'a said, but you know what happened to Jonah when he changed directions. He got swallowed by a big fish in the ocean. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't think that was a good idea, so he said, we'll just go to a different place and look what happened to him. They reminded each other of Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. That settled it. They decided to pray and then proceed to Malongo. They boarded the Jeep again, started talking with the passengers, and found that one of them was from a place that had a peace pact, peace pact with Belongao, which is where they were from. And not only that, the man knew Masa'al's brother, the one who held the peace pact. Suddenly, Masa'a and Ilat weren't just unnamed faces. A relationship was uncovered and they were safe. But they had to risk the journey before they learned they were safe. You have to step out of the boat before you learn you can walk on water. God doesn't promise to remove fear and doubt. He has amazing things to do in you in spite of those fears and doubts. One of Daybreak's core values is leaps of faith are taken here. I think a lot of times it's that leaf of faith that causes the most growth in us when we cooperate with God. Some of you have gone on short-term missions before and you think once is enough. I challenge you, if God's calling you, go again. 
there were two, over, close to 200 people that Daybreak has sent on short-term trips. Every single one of them God provided for. Every single one of them came home. They were saved. They came home. And all of them have a story to tell. You see, when you're with a Daybreak short-term trip, you get to know your team really well. They become family. And then when you're overseas, you have each other's back, just like Angie said. You know you are supported by others, and you support them. Many that have gone on trips are wearing their trip T-shirts. In fact, if you've gone on a Daybreak short-term trip, would you please stand? Look around. If you stay standing for a second, if you got if you are feeling God tugging you and you're not sure, look around you, find somebody. After the service, ask them what their struggle was. What did they have to do to be able to go on mission with God? Ask them what he did in them. Thank you, you guys. You can be seated. Find out. Let their leap of faith encourage yours. We're, we're in this together. If you're hearing God's voice, whether it's a whisper or a shout, please come to one of the, up, the upcoming two meetings. On your response card, um, I'll talk about more of that, but think about it, pray about it. I'd like to pray for us as we close. Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of what you are doing both here and around the world. Thank you for transforming lives. Thank you for the privilege you've given me to be part of life change of so many that have gone on mission with you, to watch their faith increase. Thank you. I've enjoyed watching you work in them and then do amazing things through them. Father, help us to cooperate. Though sometimes it's hard and painful, the result is always beautiful. Thank you for the teams that I've had a privilege to call family. Father, I know you're not calling everyone to go, but there are many people here today. In fact, you're calling each one of us to take the next step with you. Clarify that, Father. Help them know your voice. Give them courage to take the next step. Help us to be people eager and ready to obey your voice. We love you. In Jesus' name.